0: Good afternoon, good evening, good night, good Zinta, good It It is Michael Hofeld, fishcake king, the schmuck, king of Jurassic Wax. Welcome to the show. Uh, we're we're going to talk about all sorts of fun things and collectibles and ways to make money, lose money, all the things that we like to do. All right, so we're going to start off the show with some news. Um, Basketball Prism is coming out. Uh, the date, they say, is 3.31 Um Panini put the Dutch auction up on their website. Basketball Prism, for those of you who don't know, is the premier product of pretty much all sports. I mean, there's more expensive stuff, but it is considered what everybody waits for. Um, you know, it used to be a few hundred dollars a box. Now Panini is starting off with a Dutch auction, which means uh, basically starts at a high price and it goes lower. They're starting at $4,500 a box and will go down as low as i believe 2000 um the consensus in the industry is that it'll they'll sell for around three thousand, thirty five hundred. crazy crazy again you know the rookie class how good do you think it is lamelo breaks his wrist or whatever um there are, you know i guess anthony edwards went for 43 points the other night not really sure uh i see this being worth it matter of fact i, I long-term no way no way this is a money grab and this is uh something that you know i i, I have bought literally zero 2021 uh wax I, uh that's not true i bought some prism draft and some contenders draft because it was so cheap and i already flipped everything i bought for more than i paid just uh because it was the only product for a while but uh i haven't touched any of this season and I think PRISM is going to be a disaster for most of the people that get involved. Um, you know, what a lot of people do is you get Lamello, whatever, Lamello Color Rookie, you ship it off the PSA, you pay some money, you get it back, you post it. Listen, right now PSA is going to cost 300 bucks, and my last Super Express order took a month. So uh, that's not an easy flip. Um, so, I, I, you know, God forbid you get a nine. So... I think stay away from prison. Uh, also in the news. So the biggest show in in sports cards or whatever is the National which they didn't have last year obviously because of COVID and it was supposed to be in Lake City, New Jersey, which is really close to me. So that sucks. Um and this year it's going supposed to be in Chicago. They don't know, right? It's up in the air. Uh I think, you know, they probably could have it, but, you know, I don't know if they want to make the commitment. I guess there's a lot of commitment ahead of time. So the biggest show in the country has become this this one in Dallas, which there was one, I think, in November, in January, and one a couple of weeks ago. And it kind of has been setting the tone for the industry. The biggest news to come out of that and uh, on social media was uh, there's a high-end card. Uh, I don't want to say influencer, but whatever. He, he's out there on social media called Sasha T., Again, very interesting, extremely authentic, uh, worth checking out. He did a major trade at the Dallas Card Show where he got a PSA 10 Charizard Pokemon. Again, I don't know a ton about Pokemon, but that is considered the Holy Grail of Pokemon. I think it's Edition 1, Shadowless, I don't get, I don't know all the nomenclature. Um, But uh, it was interesting to watch. He traded, I think, like a, a LeBron and a Kobe and uh, like 100K cash. It's just interesting because I mean, to watch it go back and forth, and the one guy didn't want, you know, wanted more money, he wanted this, he switched out cards. And then watching Sasha get advice uh, from people saying, hey, listen, you think this is gonna be a million dollar card, what's 20,000? And that's basically what happened, so uh, you got to watch it. So if you search YouTube, Sasha T, Dallas Card Show, you'll probably find it. I think there was multiple uh, content creators who, who did some information on it, but unique, again, to see a Pokemon be pretty much the biggest card there um, and be willing to give up the biggest names and best cards in basketball to get a Pokemon. I mean, it perks up some ears, which uh, we'll get to. Um, our main course today our main course is going to be about non-sports cards so which is a topic near and dear to my heart these days Uh, but let's move from from news into our favorite idiot index idiot index being what are the idiots saying and how come how come how should we look at that and um and how can we use that information or just comment on it Uh, so this week the idiot index is about bubbles right um there are basically two schools of thought constantly. It's a bubble and it's going to collapse. And the other side is no, it's going to run forever or, and, and here's why, uh, maybe not run forever, but it still has tons of upside. There's very little kind of, you know, concept of, of the in between. Now this can be talked about sports cards, non sports cards, collectibles, NFTs, which is the biggest one right now. Um, about about bubbles bubbles really they do exist and um people get fomo we talk, always talk about fomo because it drives so much of, the, of these type of things and they, they try to pile in and bubbles are kind of they're natural right they're natural based on human emotion so it, are we in a bubble it depends on your definition of bubble the, the one thing that i often get upset about is that People talk about uh, markets as if they're ubiquitous, as if one card is the whole market, um, or, you know, uh, because simply some things can go up and some things can go down. You're seeing it in sports card right now, which is rotation. Rotation, meaning there was a time when all the money was in rookies, you know, Lucas, Zions, and then it rotated to the Goats, the Jordans, and the Kobe's, and then. It kind of moved over to like the tim duncan's uh and alan iverson's of the world and now kind of this i brought this up last week when i was talking about my curmudgeonly thing where i think that everything is accurately priced um but corrections are healthy like you're seeing that in in the goats right now it's like you know jordan psa 10s down 30 40 from their high does that mean they're a terrible investment and up to you i mean Again, people, when people ask you about, you know, should I buy a card? Should I do this? Should I do that? The real question is, what are you planning on doing? Like, what's your goal, right? If your goal is to make a quick flip, then there are certain cards for that, right? Um, but, you know, these bigger cards, I don't think they're, and long-term cards, I don't think they're meant for a quick flip. They're meant to be a five-year, 10-year play. Um, yeah, obviously if you buy it and it goes 10 X right away, you have the option to get out, but the idiots just don't want to look that bubbles can be real, that corrections are healthy. Um, and and the idea that straight up without, you know, when you see something go straight up without cause, it's almost as bad as something that goes straight down without cause. Actually, something that goes straight down without cause is like, uh, almost better. Um, because you're like, uh, something profoundly wrong with the market, but you know, I, I've been hearing a lot of chatter about NFTs. And again, I love NFTs and, um, but as an investment vehicle right now, I think they're absolutely overblown. Uh, there's some great, uh, conversation out there where people just basically saying that 97% of NFTs are going to be valueless, but, and the 3% that are going to be valuable probably go down. And the idea of being able to find what those 3% are is pretty hard, right? You know, uh, I think, you know, cyberpunks and moon cats and uh, shit like that it will, will have value. I mean, because of its kind of place at the top, I still think it'll probably go down. Um, but again, bubbles, they really do exist. And they we, we've been kind of coerced into the concept that they don't, right? We're almost a full... But we're like 13 years from the great recession and the great recession really was a the real estate bubble that popped what we've seen over you know the pandemic no bubbles popped the, this is a very odd economic time and i do not think we are on as firm a footing in any market as we think we are or as the masses think we are so again hysteria about bubbles something goes down 10%, it's not the bubble bursting. You know, if something goes up 10%, it doesn't mean there's no chance of it bursting. Just don't be an idiot, all right? Don't be a schmuck. Okay, on to the main course. Now, I've been yearning and churning to talk about non-sports cards uh, because of the fact that I think they represent a tremendous opportunity. Um, they... Okay, so non-sports cards... There's the mainstream modern stuff, Pokemon, Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, uh, Fortnite, uh, Marvel has come into play lately, um, Pokemon being top of the list, Logan Paul, Steve Aoki, Logic, uh, a lot of uh, influencers getting into it. I have to admit, I never collected Pokemon, I know it's so little about it, that it's just hard for me to talk about it. What I can say is the market is real, it's established, and it's worth a ton of money. Um, and I don't think it's going anywhere. You know, if, if you don't know, uh, Pokemon's global IP value is greater than Marvel or Star Wars. So that just should give you some frame of reference that Pokemon is enormous, and the idea that have how collectible it is and how much value the cards are is not surprising when you take a macro look at it, right? Um, if you collected Pokemon as a kid, you have a better perspective than I do. I do not play in the Pokemon field or any of these fields. I Marvel, I mess with. Um, just because I don't have the perspective, right? I find it hard to invest in things that I don't uh, have a, a deep knowledge on um, or deep understanding. or I'm com- entirely disconnected um, in, a, in, a, in a time in which I think they're um, still moving upward and finding their footing, right? When something's established, you can kind of, you know, no, you already know what the value of something is. So if you get a deal, you get a deal and you flip it. Or whatever, but with all these these different Pokemon, Magic: The Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, Fortnite, I, d- I just don't know, and I don't really want to spend the time right now to learn. Um, my argument is essentially that what you would call vintage or semi-vintage, mid-modern, has a ton of upside. Um, simply looking at w- what are the most valuable IP property, you know, IPs intellectual properties in the world when it comes to entertainment okay you've got pokemon number one then you've got marvel number two kind of marvel and star wars are basically one and two um then you've got things like harry potter jurassic park star trek james bond indiana jones so my feeling is (laughs) these are opportunities right um does it mean that these are going to be the next big thing no, of course not. Nobody nobody really knows what drives the zeitgeist. But a lot of what collecting about is about is is that emotional connection you have with a product. Um, so let's use Star Wars. Star, I'm a, a major 1977 Star Wars investor. I've spent more money on that than probably anything in the collectible industry. And my argument is simple. Star Wars is... Um, Again, second or third biggest piece of IP in in the whole wide world, worth billions and billions of dollars. Um, The target demographic of that, uh, that age group, is incredibly wealthy or has a lot of disposable income. It's also a connection with their children. So you have basically something that goes through the ages. You know, there are movies in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and the odds. And and even recently, and then you have The Mandalorian. you got eight more shows coming uh, out of Disney in the Star Wars universe. So that's kind of my argument for why I think it's a big deal. There's some people that say, well, they're the action figures and the other stuff. And my argument on that is not that they're wrong. It's just that um, those things are clunky. They're not as easy to collect. I mean, toys are clunky. They're they're hard to display. They take up a lot of room. Cards you can stack. You can, you know, put them on the wall like artwork. So, you know, it's a a simple argument that uh, cards are easier. A lot of people had them when they were kids as well. And uh, they're easier to uh, put a rating on, a grading, and therefore makes them more liquid. And the other side that I should add in is is that, you know, there's a little sense of nerds rule the world. Um, Which is true that there was a time where working with computers was looked upon as, you know, being nerdy or geeky or whatever. Now they kind of, you know, run everything. And so not everybody has the same connections with sports um, that, you know, that others do. I mean, I I love sports. I've always loved sports. But I also love movies and TV shows. So I think I kind of have more of a connection with a Luke Skywalker card than I do a Kevin Durant 2008 rookie. I just, I can tell you where I saw the movie, you know, uh, you know, whatever. Um, where I saw Phantom Menace, who I saw it with. All, all those different things that bring back emotions and nostalgia. So, again, right age group, uh, right product, uh, also the... Uh, they have the money. Now, the next thing that I will point out is is population reports. So population is just how many PSA cards are graded, right? That's a, a sense of supply and demand, is how much how much is out there, right? So again, if you look at the last two years of basketball PSA graded cards, there's 1.1 million. PSA-graded basketball cards in the last two years. I think there are 250,000, you know, graded cards of the 1985-86 Fleer basketball. For Star Wars 1977, there are 40,000 graded cards. So it still sounds like, well, that's a lot. It is and it isn't. So the Star Wars 77 set had five series. So essentially there are five sets inside of them, each 66 cards. But the differentiation between Star Wars and other sports cards is that people did not really focus on the key cards, right? People wanted to grade a whole set. So that is almost equally divided. There's like a 300-card population for almost every card in the... First series, 66, blue, uh, 77, Star Wars. There's only 300 every card. Then you get to Luke Skywalker, which is the highest population, which is like 530. Han Solo, rookie, 230. Uh, Darth Vader, like 300. There are four Darth Vader 10s. There are nine Luke Skywalker 10s. There are 10 Solo 10s. You're talking about infinitesimally small populations. And on top of that, I've purchased about, 15 collections there are almost no there are no uh, no tens right the tens are not going to grow um there are a few wax boxes for sale they sell for around 25 to 50 thousand dollars right now i think there'll be a lot more but i've seen it I, i can't tell you how many gem cards you pull out and have printing flaws or miscut or off center just tens are going to be impossible they're not going to grow nines are not going to be easy and then on top of that you take into account the cost of psa grading people are just not going to be willing to risk spending real money to take a chance so if there's a increase in population it's going to come in a year a year and a half two years and even then, i'm telling you it's just not going to be high end so it is my opinion that high-end star wars cars 10 some nines like Vader nines uh Luke nines um I've been buying for months and months that I've seen two Luke nines for sale one which has been a bullshit PWCC listing for 100 grand um and then recently one came up for sale and it hasn't sold I mean the bids at 5000 I think I think it'll go for 8 I think it should go for 25 like I think 25 is the right number cuz you just you just don't see them sevens I own a bunch of sevens and sixes. I don't own an eight yet, um, but uh, again, I think the upside on these cards is substantial, and I do think there's a certain ch- there's a chance here that people people are focusing on the Luke Skywalker number one, and in truth, I think the Vader number seven is a more important card. Darth Vader is loved almost as much as Luke Skywalker, and the card is just impossible to find in the grade. Again, four tens, four. It's just impossible. So. Um, I think if the card market keeps going and the other markets hold on that you end up with a million dollar Star Wars card and that you know one of the fractional companies will come in and buy it just like Pokemon the the Pokemon PSA 10 that went for 400,000 the other day has a pop of 320 so over 30 times the number of cards that you would find in uh, in Star Wars and the other thing Again, I didn't look into Pokemon, but I looked into, like, Jordan. You know, I think there are, like, there are around 300 uh, Jordans that are PSA 10. But, and there are, I don't even remember how much it's, like, 15,000 graded. You forget, there's BGS. BGS has more. I think BGS has, like, five or 600 9.5s. So, there are practically no BGS Star Wars cards. There are some SGC. Very low. So this this is all of it. A lot of people want to quote PSA pop counts with older cards, but you have to account for BGS and SGC for the total population. It just doesn't exist on Star Wars cards. So if they catch the Zeitgeist and they get the push from somebody like Gary V or some other influencers, you hear people talking about it more and more. It's just going to go off fire. You just can't find them. I'm telling you right now, go find a true, like not a of some random card. Even that's hard, especially... Series one, the blue ones. Try a red one; that's even harder. Series two, because they're condition sensitive. It, it, it's almost impossible. Try to find a ten of a main character. I've seen a half dozen, and I'm so pissed off that I didn't buy them all. I actually had two bought out from underneath me, where I made a deal uh, below. You know, let's say somebody was asking seven thousand, and I made a deal for five. And as I'm literally consummating the deal, somebody just came in and paid seven, paid market price. So, and then they're, they're not out there. Go look. Go on eBay. Try to find tens of, of characters. So, and the other thing that I'll add is like, okay, so you got Star Wars, which is New Hope, uh, 1977. You have Empire Strikes Back, 1980, Return of the Jedi, 1983. Okay. Many consider Empire Strikes Back the best movie. It has a couple of new interesting characters, as in Yoda and Boba Fett have their first appearance in there. So hence their debut rookie cards. Now, the population on uh, Empire Strikes Back is way lower than Star Wars. It, you know, population is a weird thing because essentially a lot of times people didn't grade stuff. It just wasn't worth it, right? It wasn't worth spending the money to grade it because it didn't have the value. And now that it has the value, you can't really grade it um, because PSA is so backed up. So it's kind of this chicken and the egg thing. Like, I believe Yoda's total population is like 100 uh, with, I think, four tens, uh, Empire, the uh, the Starfile cards, which are the first, the character cards, are well known to be miscut. Um, Boba Fett, I think there are 11 10s. Um, both of those cards, like, I saw Yoda go for 10, for go for 6,000. Um, I saw Boba go for 10,000. I'd say those cards are comfortably, I'd say Yoda's closer to 10,000 now. Um, and, and who knows what Boba Fett will be. There are some wax boxes out there. I actually opened a pack of, of Empire the day and pulled a Boba Fett that was practically perfect. And then I saw it had a stain on it. So same shit as 77. There's way more wax, though, of Empire. Way more. So I would I would expect those populations to grow much more substantially. But in the short term, there may be more money in Empire. Just because the ability to get it through PSA and whether people are willing to spend the money. Um, I spent a couple, sent a couple a of Empire cards to SGC just to, to see what grades they would get and see what, what price they would command. But so I think uh, massive, massive upside on Empire. Um, you just have to be selective, right? When I first started buying, I was buying anything in a high grade. It's essentially saying right now it's going to cost you 50 to $75 to get a card graded. So if I could buy a card eight or above around that price. I was just buying it. And what I realized is like, be more selective. I think that you should be buying fewer cards, better cards. Um, again, f- focus on the main characters, key moments in the movies. Um, it, essentially it breaks down to in these, in this type of stuff is there are three types of cards, character cards, which is kind of like the real card, the real rookie. Um, then there are title cards. That's so a single card. That is like the movie title or the movie poster, which also has a lot of value. Then you have action shots, which is most of the, uh, most of the cards. So in the action shots, unless it's like a key line, like may the force be with you, or, you know, some sort of key scene, like Darth Vader capturing Princess Leia. Um, it doesn't matter as much, but like in empire, there are handful of Boba Fett cards. There's a great. Boba Fett card where it's Boba Fett and Darth Vader, and I know Calrissian's in the background. I think it's the prize of Boba Fett. Amazing card. Um, could have been, could have had it for about 50 to 100 bucks in a nine recently. Now it goes for about 500. Um, you know, some of these cards you could have had in a 10 for 100 and 150. Now they're 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. So big, big money to be made, especially again, I would focus solely on the high end. Um, stuff. I would not really want to buy and grade. I, did, I The reason I said is I did it, and I'm not saying it's a totally losing proposition, but I think with the way PSA is backed up, the prices and the gamble, I think PSA is grading them harder. I recently got back a seven solo, and I have another seven, and I'm like, there's no way. These two cards are, you know, the 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 seven I got recently, I think is at least an eight. I thought it was borderline nine, so. Again, yeah, it's a small sample size, but it makes me not want to spend even more money to gamble and possibly lose. So, okay, so Star Wars is not cheap, right? And, you know, you can buy some raw stuff, uh, especially, I wouldn't buy too much raw of 77 because it's just, a, most of it's crap. There's some decent raw of Empire and definitely some decent raw of, of Return of the Jedi, but it just doesn't have the value. But it has a low pop count, so people are scalping the money. I think you can think about those other major IPs and see if there are potential opportunities. Again, I'm not, this is just speculation, right? This is not about, I think you're going to make a million dollars, but just if one of them catches fire, you're there. So, Harry Potter, Harry Potter has a couple of things you can look at. There is, the first movie was called The Sorcerer's Stone. I got a box of those cards. They're kind of these widescreen, weird cards. They're really ugly. And I, Normally, I like the first kind of set, but I would almost steer away from it. Um, It just doesn't have the visuals to make you, I think, want to own it. There is a sticker set that came from Europe, which I just bought a box. I haven't seen it, but visually, it's much more beautiful. You know, boxes are about $300. Um, You can get them in auction cheaper. Um, So, if you can steal one, I, I like Harry Potter. I mean... Essentially where this goes is like, if there's a ride or a theme park after it. I like the concept. Or if Disney or Netflix or somebody's doing an entire set of shows. Um, Jurassic Park, another one. Long uh, line of IP. There, there are rides. There are two sets of movies. Um, I'm sure we'll see more of it. There's, I think, Tops made a box. Uh, the first one, you can get a box for like 50 bucks. Get you a Malcolm rookie. Get you some Raptor rookies. Um, some title cards, cards are okay. Um, Star Trek, Star Trek's weird because you have a lot of Star Trek collectors and it kind of pans throughout it. I'm not, I I own some Star Trek, the movie stuff and a little bit of stuff. Not huge on it, but again, I bought my Star Trek, the movie box for 80 bucks, 42 year old box. Fun to open, you know, get a couple cards. You gotta be still careful condition, the gum, the wax, Causes all sorts of problems James Bond uh, listen James Bond is one of the biggest IPs out there it's just lost its luster Uh, it has nostalgia but like because every different movie is kind of a tale of its own not so sure Um, you know there's Moonraker I think was the first Bond uh, movie to have real cards I bought some Goldeneye. I really like Goldeneye. I think if you're gonna get it, I think I would go after Goldeneye. It's the first uh, appearance of Pierce Brosnan as as James Bond. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that was like made to collect, and that's why I'd be careful of all this stuff. Is like, don't buy the stuff that was made to collect. Meaning like special edition hobby stuff like that. I want the stuff that was in a grocery store, was in a pharmacy that a kid could buy a pack of. Right, that's what I want. Um, like I bought some Adam's Family. I bought some Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I bought, you know, I've been buying crazy stuff, but you know, most of this stuff is cheap. Bill and Ted's $15 a box, uh, Adam's Family $20 a box. This is also another way, if you enjoy ripping packs, you get to rip packs and you don't have to spend a billion dollars. And just knowing what you want to get beforehand, you know, you know you want to get a chase card. Um, another one I bought a bunch of, Indiana Jones. This is more of a personal collection not so sure about the uh, investment side obviously Indiana Jones major intellectual property from George Lucas and Steven Spielberg um, there are rides there are, uh, I, I'd be interested to see whether they're going to revive the, the franchise or find a way to move on from Harrison Ford but again 1981 the pop counts are absurdly low I think I want to say like the indie rookie they're like 10 I also have a bunch of Opeachy. Opeachy is the Canadian version of Tops. There are two indies. I have probably six or seven of them. Um, I bid on an indie recently, an 8.5, PSA 8.5, and I was like, oh, I'll be able to pick this up for 60, 70, 80 bucks. Went for 600. Uh, You can buy these sets for 20 bucks. Now, I'm not saying you're gonna get an 8.5. They are a little condition sensitive. Again, it's just another thing and try to get a score on. Am I telling you to go spend $50,000 like I did on Star Wars? No, I'm telling you not to do that. But I, hey, if you ever are... It's like diversifying your bonds uh, like Wu, Wu, uh, Wu-Tang Financial would tell you to do. Um, there's nothing wrong with buying a $20 set of Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark and, you know, maybe grading the indie if it comes back nice. That's, you know... I, I don't think you're going to lose too much on it. And the upside... If it catches fire, is amazing. Last one I'm going to talk about is Marvel movies. Now the Marvel comic cards of the early '90s made a big hit recently. Um, suddenly, you know, the boxes were 200, and then they were 4,000. I think now they're back to around 12 or 1500. And because there was such such a low pop, everybody's rushing the cards into PSA, two grand. I'm all for it. I have to say, I'm not a comic guy, so I don't connect with those cards. I visually, I've said it before. I love comic art. I think it's amazing. Uh, if I buy comics, it would be purely for the visuals, not for the storytelling. I, I watch movies and TV. I don't read comics. I read books. And again, I don't know why the hell I have to say that. But the idea of comics just never resonated with me other than the, the art. But I love the Marvel movies. And it starts with Spider-Man. The, what's his name? I can't think of his McGuire. Maguire. I knew his first name. Uh, The Toby Maguire spider of 2000. I just recently bought a box of that for like 40 bucks. Beautiful set of cards. There's great character cards. There's a great title card. Again, there's like a zero population. Like the population is like zero. So, you know, that's a perfect thing of, hey, buy one, throw it in an 18-month PSA thing, get it back in a year and a half. Can't imagine it being worth less than double of what you paid for it, right? You pay twenty bucks, twenty five bucks to get it created. Pay a dollar, two dollars for the card. It's going to be worth fifty bucks. They're not going to be many of them, and there will always be people interested in Star in a uh, Star Wars, uh, but in Spider Man, could it be worth $500, five hundred bucks, five thousand dollars? Yes, I think that is w- not incredibly likely, but five hundred I think is certainly more likely than it being worth being a loss. So that's that's the simple thing. Uh, more so than than any of the other ones. That, Harry Potter is probably closer to the top. Jurassic Park, Star Trek, James Bond, Indiana Jones. Those feel a little dated and are not in the zeitgeist right now. But Marvel still is. Um, you know, the and, and you're looking for something that's kind of old but new. Um, I also bought X-Men, the first X-Men movie. Great stuff in there. You Got Magneto. Uh, again, you can call them rookies, you can call them debuts, but... Uh, uh, you know you've got uh what's his name Dr. Xavier so like you got Patrick Stewart's debut as Dr. X and Hugh Jackman as Wolverine like to me Hugh Jackman is Wolverine so like to me that is the debut card the first Wolverine Hugh Jackman card so that has a lot of value to me and i i know i'm not alone again does this mean that it's going to be $5000 card no i don't think so but i think it has a chance right I think of how important movies are in people's lives in relation to sports. Sports are very important and they root for them. But people also love movies. I think that if this does, this genre catches fire or even catches a, a light brush fire, a lot of these cards are going to just shoot up because people realize, again, no population. None. Like, I don't even know if there's a single graded Wolverine Hugh Jackman card. Period. So think about that some other things i mess around uh, pac-man cards donkey kong cards some other things there's, there's a lot of we'll get into pac-man cards later but that's a different thing so that that's that's my stuff on non-sports i could talk about it all day because i think when i look at the sports card industry i really believe that a lot of it is properly priced and that if you're looking for potential large leaps they're just not there outside of you know hey some rookie that came out of nowhere and. You know kind of everybody has that card already because they own so much of the product they just may not have it uh graded so that's up to you um but i think when if you follow my logic about these cards being underappreciated but still touching all the emotional spots that we like for uh, nostalgia and collection that they have a lot of potential for upside and i think very little potential for downside so i hope that you hope that helped so now we're going to go into the cardboard curmudgeon segment. This is where I get to be my nasty pessimistic self and talk about things that piss me off. Um, this week's going to be about grading company perception. Um, I've mentioned it many times before grading runs the hobby right now. The concept of buying a card for X dollars, submitting it to and getting a 10 and now is worth 10 x a hundred X of what you paid for it. Um, it, it, it really drives it, because if people decide that they can't do that, they just stop buying things. And if they stop buying raw cards, they stop buying packs, it brings down the value of graded cards. Everything starts to fall. It's just, a, a it, it, you know, it becomes an avalanche. It snowballs, however you want to look at it. Um, and I don't think people are considering how big a problem what is going on at PSA is. And I've listened to an interview with Steve Sloan from PSA, and and the, they really, they really fucked up, and they 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 can't, they they can't unfuck themselves because they have ten million cards now in backlog. And this is, it's a ticking time bomb in the hobby. Periods. End of story. It's 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 it for for again. I I it's another reason why I like the non sports cards because I just don't think there's a ton of non sports cards sitting there, uh, relative to how many you know. Any card, any sports card you can think of is sitting there and lots of them. So the value of what you have is going to go down once these get released. Um, How can this be uh, mitigated? Well, one of the big problems I have about the love for PSA is it's purely monetary-based. Which, again, I'm not an idiot. People are in this for money and I don't have a problem with them being in it for money. But there is no valid reason for PSA to be that much more valuable than its competitors. Now I, I will, this is ultimately going to sound a lot like a PSA at public service amount, for SGC, because that's, that's, it's a question I'm asking. It's like BGS is basically the same price. BGS has had some fake slab issues, some other issues. Um, I don't understand why a company like SGC, which is considered their grading abilities, right? Like they don't under overgrade a card. They're consistent. They're good at what the actual job is of saying that this card is a 9, this card's an 8.5, whatever. If you don't like the slabs, that's a different story, but that's a visual thing. And we can't be... We shouldn't be placing that much value on the visual of a slab. Now, again, I do not think PSA slabs are good looking. I don't. I don't I don't think they are any better looking than... I, I actually prefer Beckett. Um, I've always preferred Beckett as a collector from the idea of the subgrades. I, I cannot stand... I mentioned I got a Han Solo back in the 7. And I'm like, I have no idea why. I mean, I must have missed some sort of surface issue. But it... I need not getting any information of why you get the grade is stupid, and the we're headed for such an iceberg uh, in this in in this hobby from the sense of all eights are not created the same, all nines are not created the same, and we're putting so much value in PSA over other res- reputable grading companies for no fucking reason, and what we've done now is like we've just again we've loaded the gun and put it to our heads and PSA is about to pull the trigger. They just run the hobby. Now when they, if they could get rid of the backlog, it would absolutely overwhelm us with supply. And the fact that we can't get cards through there is, is choking away people wanting to be in the industry. The only alternative is to find an alternative grading company. SGC, from what I know of it and what I found, they're charging 25 bucks a card and they'll get it back to you in a few weeks right, in a month, um, and you can pay 200 to get it back in two days, so, I mean, that's close, I mean, I know that sounds close to what PSA is doing, but they actually do it, whereas PSA can be a month, um, I don't know what Beckett's turnaround time is, but there's, I don't know a reason why CGC sells at such a discount to PSA, like, it's not because they give tens out more often than they should, that's actually PSA, psa grades easier than other companies it doesn't make any sense it's fucking ass backwards it's just ass backwards it should be integrity and consistency should be the keys to a grading company and how and how they're valued in the marketplace is that are these things real and are they the same is an eight and eight is a nine and nine and the the, PSA is actually one of the worst. I mean, BGS has the problem with fake slabs, and I think that's a major issue, but I think that's a less of an issue kind of on lower-end cards, right? I don't think anybody's faking a slab on a $100 card. Um, it's just kind of, the, the, the you know, if you're going to go through all the trouble, you're going to do it for something of at least higher value. Maybe not super high because you want it to get through, but... Again, I come back to SGC. They've been around forever. They're respected for their work in vintage, which is far harder harder than modern. Again, I'm not against. I like HGA, um, but I they don't have the track record of grading. Like it doesn't make any sense. The idea that an HGA slab would trade for more than an SGC slab is just absurd. And if it's if it's the visuals, man. Like, I, th- what I would say about that is I understand it on some level. We, we, we want it to look right. And I do love the concept of what HGA is doing with changing their slab color. Um, but truthfully, I don't know why a company like SGC is not um, letting you change the slab color. Um, I, I I actually can't believe how much credit HGA gets for their visual looks. I mean, it's it's just the color. It's like they're printing on a different color paper. Their their labels actually, all these labels look like, you know, they came out of the FBI, right? They don't look like any sort of graphic designer did anything. Don't even get me started on on CGC or CGS, whatever the comic book company is. Because they have the ugliest fucking slabs. And also, they don't take non-sports cards. They take Pokemon and I think Magic the Gathering. Or they take sports cards. How do you... Just again. They don't even take Marvel cards. And they're a fucking uh, comic company at its core. So, like, the perception of grading is just a mess. It's going to be the end. It's going to be the end. I mean, uh, nobody can plot out a course to me that, that this is not fucking going to end really badly. I ultimately think way PSA deals with it is with a whole new level of service basically every slab that exists is considered junk and that if you want real PSA technology you're going to have to resend your shit in Um, and you know people who have expensive cards will do it because the market will demand it if you have cheap cards people won't demand it but essentially if you have a card selling for over a thousand dollars it's going to need PSA gold standard which is you know whatever 20 point system where you get points for everything and then they explain it to you and it's whatever, it's a ton more money. Um, and that they bring back the junk slabs down to 10 bucks. The premium just isn't there. Because um, eventually when a card goes up in price, you'll have to switch to the new slab. Just my theory. I don't, I don't see any other way. I don't see a way in which the current slab system is going to stay and then continue to maintain its value. Just there's the economics of it don't add up. Um, and it almost makes you want to go Maybe I shouldn't grade and wait for this thing to, to sort out. And like really just, it's depending on whether you're trying, if you're trying to flip cards, then I buy them graded already. and But buying to grade right now, unless you're going to go to HGA or SGC, or you're doing gazillion dollar cards, don't. you just do the middle of the ground. It's too risky. And I think you you kind of walk away. So that's my curmudgeon section for this week. Uh, the last topic is conspic- conspicuous content consumption, where I give you a hint or an idea of somebody that I think you should be listening to, or following, or enjoying their card-based content. This week, it's a fellow named Pac Man Cards on YouTube, Instagram, and he's got a and Twitch and a whole bunch of other shit. I don't really know his real name, and I can tell you that I've been watching him since I started to get back into cards. He is, what I would say, a ripper and a breaker. Uh, a ripper, or an unboxer, somebody who just opens cards on the internet, and everybody gets to watch them. A where they do it for other people, and they sell spots. And I think he, you know, I don't think he was really breaking, you know, doing it for other people till recently. Um, but just, I, I, it's hard to explain because there are, I would say, 10,000 people who break cards or rip cards on the internet. And you would say, oh, what does it matter? Uh, one person is the same as the next. I've watched a lot of people do it. This kid's good. I think he's about 25 years old. I don't want to call him a kid, but to me he is. His overall demeanor is kind of that perfect mix of jokes but seriousness cares not only about the cards but about the people he's he's getting the cards for. He's genuinely excited. Um for the most part. I can tell you that uh you know my favorite things he does he does hobby pop pack mix and box mixers. So essentially hobby packs where he'll take like three packs from like eight or nine different years and sets and he'll open them up. So you get a real, you know varied look into different cards. And then sometimes we'll do the same thing with boxes where he'll have, you know, 20 different boxes and they're all different set, you know, types, brands, years, uh, whatever. And those are my favorite because, again, you just get a mix and it's not monotonous. That's the only downside is that he, because he's been doing more breaking, sometimes he'll do like a case of 2021 20, hoops. And it's just like it's impossible to be excited about it. It's like another Lamelo, another Anthony Edwards. It's just not, it's not the same. So, uh, I highly recommend if you enjoy watching people open cars. If you haven't watched Pac-Man cards, check them out on YouTube and Instagram. And like I said, try to look at one of the box mixers or the hobby pack mix I'm not telling you to buy into the breaks. Again, I don't buy into breaks, but it's just fun to watch. It's a great way to get education into different sets, into different parallels and stuff. I don't collect a ton of modern stuff, but it still gives you kind of that education which you can carry to other parts of the hobby. So I think that's going to do it for this week. I really appreciate for you for uh, listening in. I hope you learned something. I hope I help you make some money or save you from losing from the money. Other than that, I am out. This is Jurassic Wax. Have a wonderful week.